Let us pray. Father, our desire is to see our Lord. Help us, our God, to know him and to serve him in the way that would be pleasing to you. Thank you for all that you've given to us in your word, and we look forward to learning from you. Take the weakness of your servant and make it your strength to bring to your people those things that will glorify you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Be seated. Well, I decided not to uh, do the gospel today because I really didn't want to spend a whole lot of time trying to figure out and tell you uh, how a, uh, how a uh, camel could go through the eye of the needle uh, easier. There's explanations for that. I know it. But it just wasn't on my heart today to teach about eyes of needles. So uh, we're going to choose another passage. I've raised this up so I can see my Bible. If it's too low, I can't, I can't see things. That age thing is, is hitting me. Well, Pam and I have bird feeders in our backyard. It's always fun. Um, used to be that I would be able to get up in the morning and go out and have a cup of coffee. The last few months have not been that way. It's been pretty busy. Uh, but I enjoy watching the birds come and feed. Uh, we have uh, a number of... We have blue jays, we have cardinals, we have tanagers, we have, what are they, chick something or another, chick, yeah. yeah see how I study them uh, type deal. But a couple of years ago, I was looking out, and on top of the bird feeder was this bird, and I thought immediately, this is a, uh, uh, this is a uh, female cardinal. You know, it didn't have the bright red that the male cardinal had, and I uh, thought, yep, there it is. Female cardinal. And then the closer I looked at it, the more I realized that that was not a female cardinal. Instead, it was a tanager. A little bit different. The colors are just a teeny bit different. But it was something that I had to take a close look at to see. Well, you know, Jesus actually talks about looking at uh, the birds of the field. As a matter of fact, back in Luke chapter 12, verse 24, he says, consider, uh, consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are they than the birds? Well, I don't want to preach this, but what I want you to see is that he says to them, take a close look at what God is doing in the lives. Study it. Don't just, you know, every day we see birds and they come and they go. But how often do we really consider, and that's what he's saying, consider the bird, study it, know what it does, know what's in its life, see what's there. Well, as I looked at the passage of scripture that I wanted for today, uh, it's over in Hebrews chapter 3, it's that reading from Hebrews chapter 3, and that same word is used right here in this passage when it says, therefore, holy brothers, you who share in the heavenly calling, consider Jesus Christ. Consider Jesus Christ. Now last week uh, in the evening service I uh, did the homily and it was on Hebrews chapter 2. I love preaching Hebrews. Hebrews just has such great things in it. But one of the things that I noticed as I was preparing for last week and this week, there are three times that we are told to keep our eyes on Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, it says, We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. That is, look at it. 
be sure. It's talking about Jesus. Uh, the reason why I know that is because it begins with therefore, and it goes back to chapter 1, and it's about Jesus. Okay? Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, also begins with a therefore. And I know what it's talking about. It goes back to chapter 2, and it's talking about Jesus. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of heavenly calling, consider Jesus. This is the word that we found over in Luke chapter 12, verse 24, or over in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. So in the passage that we're studying this morning, that's what the writer of the Hebrews asked us to do. As a matter of fact, he doesn't ask us to do it. He commands us to consider Jesus. In all six verses, this is the only command that's given. Consider Jesus. And so when we come down through here, we want to see, we want to consider who Jesus is. And the question that we might ask ourselves is, why should I do this? Well, there's two basic reasons that I would suggest to you that we ought to consider Jesus. The first is because we are holy brothers and sisters who have been called to consider Jesus. Secondly, we are to be holy just like God is holy. And then the third one actually is because of who we confess Jesus to be. There are three reasons. Number one, because we are holy brothers and sisters, because God has called because we are to be holy like God is holy, and third, because of who we confess Jesus to be. Let's take a look at this. He says in this verse, therefore, holy brothers, is, is what my, my translation says. Others will say brothers and sisters. He's talking about the whole church of Jesus Christ, male or female. He's talking to all those who come to know Jesus as their personal Savior. That's what he's talking about. And he calls them holy brothers and sisters who have been called. One of the things that we recognize about the people to whom he is speaking is that it is God's grace that put them where they are. It is God who had called them to be what? Uh, to be brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. He wants us to be part of his people. He wants us to join with him in fellowship together as we do this. And he calls us holy. And the reason why he calls us holy is, and that word, Paul uses the same word. He uses the word in the noun form, however, and it's translated saint. He calls us saints. Those who know Jesus as their Savior are saints. Well, these brothers and sisters are holy. The adjective is used here. Holy brothers and sisters from exactly the same word. Now, I am sure that if I ask a young man here what the word holy means, he'd be able to tell me because he's having a quiz on Tuesday with that word included in it. So I know that he's already studied for that quiz. And the word holy, and I won't call on him because I'm just convinced that he would have the answer. Holy is something that has been set apart for God. And when he called us, he set us apart. Oftentimes in the Old Testament, oftentimes in the Old Testament, particularly over in, in, uh, in uh, the book of Leviticus, we will find there that 
the people or the priests are called to be holy. We're called to be ones who are there. Also on that quiz on Tuesday are Bible verses, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, and I know that he would know the answer to that one as well, because in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, it says, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Okay? Be holy, for I am holy. See the same word there? You've been called. Just as the one who called you is holy, I want you to be holy. Because the one who called you said, I'm holy, so you be holy. You be holy because I'm holy. I'm set apart. God is set apart. There is no one that's like God. And yet in his character, there are so many things that we can emulate when we take a look at these things. As one author says, the Bible reveals that God's holiness of character is a model for believers' lives and our shared communion with others. Both passages in Leviticus 19 and 1 Peter chapter 1 and their surrounding verses stress that those who wish to replicate God's holiness must reflect his holy nature in their relationship with other people and in their sincere love for fellow believers. Kind of interesting. Wasn't it interesting as we read the book of uh, Amos today? Wasn't it interesting what was on the heart of God? In Amos, do you take care of the people? Do you take care of people who, who, who have needs? Are you just with the people who have needs? What does God require you of you, O Israel, except to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly before our God? Our God is a God of justice. Our God is a God of mercy. And when we start to talk about his holiness, we need to look and see how he relates to other people. How he relates to people. He relates to people in a way that makes sure that he shows that they're loved. And, I want, and, and I'll talk about that in, in, in just a minute. I love what Peter says here in, verse, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. He says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will, be, that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And I think that he's talking about what's going to happen, but I also think that he's talking about we can have peace right now when we see, consider who Jesus is and what he's done and how we ought to live like him. Do we prepare our minds for the battle that you and I face with the world? with others, with the devil himself. Because he's calling us to be holy. He's calling us to be holy as we face these things. And these things can only be met when we consider who Jesus is and what he has done and what he has called us to be. He's called us to be holy brothers and sisters. Also in the first Peter passage, if we go over to 114, it says, 
As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. And then he goes into the verses. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct, in all your conduct. I love that. It just doesn't say be holy in your conduct. He wants to make sure that he's talking about all of your conduct. No matter what you do, no matter where you are, no matter what your relationships are, all of your conduct, all that you do. Because God is holy, for it's written, be holy, for I am holy. So if we are his children and we've been called by him through Jesus Christ our Savior, then the requirement on our part is to be like Jesus is. We need to consider what he's really like, and I'll say a little bit more about that later. So he says to us, I want you to be holy, or I want you to consider Jesus, because you are holy brothers and sisters who have been called. And then we find out what that holiness really is. It really deals not just with what we, it, it deals not only with our actions, but it also deals with, with our relationships. Down in our Sunday school class, we were talking about peace. And one of the things that uh, somebody said, you know, I understand this part, peace, right? I can have peace. I can have, I can have the recognition that, that things are okay with whether I'm gone. But what about this? Well, that's what he's calling us to do is to work on these relationships among one another. And the way that it is best to do that is through holiness, through who Jesus is and what he has done. So if I'm going to have peace on this level, there needs to be peace on this level with who I am before God. Pam and I were talking and she says, now be sure, be sure that they understand this, this concept of saint. We live in, we, we are liturgical people, are we not? We have saint days, don't we? We have St. Peter's Day, we have St. Paul's, uh, we have the Feast of uh, St. James, we have, we have St. Michael, we have St. Raphael, and they were all wonderful people who did wonderful things. But one of the things that we need to understand is that God calls us saints too. Every person who knows Jesus as their personal Savior is a saint because they have been set aside to do the work of God. If you know Jesus as your Savior, you're a saint. I know the husbands are sitting there and wives are sitting there going, yeah, but you don't know them. <laughs> no, I don't, but God knows them. <laughs> and it's a good thing he does, too. Right? So we are saints. We're called to be holy. So those things we need to keep considering. What was Jesus like? What made him holy? And the next part I absolutely love in this passage where, where uh, he says, uh, there we go, over in Hebrews where he says, calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. The apostle and the high priest of our confession. You know, this is the only place in all of the New Testament 
where Jesus is called an apostle. It's the only place. You know what an apostle is, don't you? An apostle is one who has been sent. It's one who has been sent. Jesus was sent. Wednesday night's class with Dr. Tackett was so great. I got such a great appreciation of what the jewel that God has for us is. And Dr. Tackett basically says the jewel that he gives to us is love, right? He gives us that opportunity to love. He has loved us. So back in John chapter 3, we have a passage that almost everybody knows. It's John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And we usually stop there, right? We usually stop there. But what does it say? God so loved the world that he gave his only son. But the next verse says this. For God did not send. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in that the world might be saved through him. God sent Jesus Christ to this world because he loved us. Jesus came to show the love of God. He was the apostle that had been given to us. We need to relate to Jesus Christ. We need to see the love of Christ. We need to consider that love and what it meant in his relationship with his Father and in his relationship with each other. Have we considered Jesus when it comes to those relationships? A lot of times what we do is we stop and say, wasn't it nice that Jesus died on the cross for me? So now I can go and do whatever it is I want to do. Except that's not what First Peter said, was it? He says, don't go back into your ignorance. Don't you just love that? Don't go back into your ignorance. Your ignorant ways. One of the things, and fortunately you only have to listen to me usually once a month, once every other month or whatever. And, um, and that's good because probably just about every sermon that I preach, you're going to hear one question. What is the chief end of man? The chief end of man is glorify God and enjoy him forever. We like that first part. I'm going to glorify God. And we forget the fact that when I glorify God, that is, I see what he wants and see how to glorify him, I'm going to enjoy him. You know, one author basically said about that, that, that concept. Um, if I want to glorify God, it's the aspect of, I, there, in that there is the love. I, I, I pick up the love for him. And you know what, one, what happens when you love someone? When you love someone, what do you want to do? You want to please them, don't you? You want to do the things that make them happy, right? Okay. Well, you know, if I love God, I want to do the things that are going to please him. And if that's the case, I'm going to enjoy the fact that I'm doing those things. 
I'm doing those things because I love him. It's not a burden for me to do the things. Now, oftentimes we have, you're going to live that holy life, you know. You're going to go to the monastery and be a monk or a nun, and all you're going to do is pray, and, and, uh, and if you can sing, you're going to do Gregorian chants and things like that. And, uh, and you're, you're, you know, you're going to be in silence. I know, Karen. <laughs> that, was the hard, that was the hardest part for you, wasn't it? The, the silence part was the hardest part, wasn't it, Karen? But in any case, you know, that's kind of what we think. We think, okay, I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to be holy. Can you see me being holy? Well, in any case, why are you laughing over there? I asked for it, didn't I? So, in any case, you know, one of the things that happens is that what oftentimes what we do is that we, we make rules up that are going to be, we're going to be holy. I, I, I shared with you before, you know. Uh, I, I came from a very fundamentalist background. And holy, being holy for the folks uh, when I grew up meant that I didn't go to dances. I, I didn't go to movies. I mean, what would it be like if Jesus came back and I was at a movie when he came back? You know? Uh, I didn't, uh, I wasn't allowed to play with regular card decks. You know, the one eights and kings and seven dice. Rook was okay. Because it just had numbers. Yeah. You know, so there were things. And those are the things that made you holy. But you know, the truth of the matter is, what did we read? What, 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 what did we read uh, for the rich ruler? He says, uh, he, he says uh, what do I need to do? And uh, what does Jesus list? He lists the commandments, doesn't he? That include don't kill, don't steal, don't do things like this. What are those things? Those things are my relational, relational things with other people, aren't they? The, the first four commandments are my relationship with God. The last six commandments are my relationship with other people. To be holy is a relational thing with God. It's to be set apart to do his work, to be his, to be his person. The second thing he says here is that Jesus is also our high priest. And that priest represents God to man as he gives the message from above. Is that not what Jesus did as he was sent? He was the high priest and he came down. And he said, this is what God says. These are the words of God. In the Holy of Holies, in the, in, in the Ark of the Covenant, there were things, there were three, three items, right? Remember? Number one, there was a container that had the manna that reminded them of God's provision. There was Aaron's budding rod that reminded them of his, his, their, their salvation, their their, their release, and then there was what? The tablets of the law that reminded him of their relationship with him to keep covenant, to keep holy, to keep separated. The world didn't understand these things because all the world wanted was the same thing that Adam and Eve wanted. They wanted what they wanted when they wanted 
they were the most important thing. God wasn't. If I can say that my chief end in life is to glorify God, it's not about me. It's about him. And when I make it that way, then I can enjoy life. So he comes down and he's the high priest. But not only is he the high priest representing God before man, but the high priest also did what? Represented man to God, right? Particularly on that day of atonement. On that day of atonement. Where he goes into the holy of holies and he brings the blood and it's shed. And at this point there is forgiveness and there is fellowship within the camp because God is a God who has loved and a God who has provided. If we go back to that first Peter passage in verses 18 and 19, it says, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your fathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus. You can't pay enough to have a relationship with God. He's already paid the price. All you have to do is accept that the price has been paid. And you and I can be his holy children. But we need to understand that that holy children means that we've been set apart to be what he wants us to be, not what we think we ought to be. In this passage in Hebrews, it says that Moses was faithful. Moses was faithful. God says that he was faithful, but there was no one more faithful than Jesus Christ. If we look through the whole book of Hebrews, we will find that Jesus Christ is so far superior to anything that might be man. He's superior to the angels. I love over in Hebrews chapter 1, where uh, there it talks about who this Jesus is and how we ought to relate to him. In verse 1-6, and again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. About whom is he speaking? Jesus. Who's worthy of worship? Who is the only one to be worshipped? What does the Old Testament say? That you have what? How many gods? Only one. Only one. There's only one. Okay? So, this passage says, and again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him, Jesus Christ. Or he comes on down and says, your throne, O God, but of the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. But the Son, he says, thy throne, O God. Don't let anybody ever tell you the New Testament doesn't call Jesus Christ God. This can't be anybody else except Jesus Christ in this passage. It has to be. It has to be. The whole book is based on this. That Jesus is superior to the angels. He's superior to Moses. He's superior to any high priest that has ever walked upon the face of the earth. Therefore, we need to consider him and what he's like and what he expects. Did you see he's he's loved righteousness and hated wickedness? Do you love righteousness and hate wickedness? 
you're a holy brother and sister who've been called by God in the love of Jesus Christ to be holy. Or in verse 13, and to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies footstool at your feet? Who is sitting at the right hand of God? None other than Jesus Christ himself. So when we look at Jesus and we consider him, what do we consider? We consider that he is the one who has been sent by God to show us love and care and to save us. He is the high priest who has come to give the sacrifice that you and I need in order that you and I can not only be holy in standing, but holy in what we do. Set apart for God to be his people. One author says, how much time did you spend this past week considering the beauty of Jesus Christ? The Bible has page after page revealing his majestic glory. It is our only source of information, by the way. Some Christians make up a Jesus in their minds, but he isn't the Jesus of the Bible. Their Jesus is nice and never judgmental. When they sin, which is often, their Jesus just hugs them and assures them that we all make mistakes. Their Jesus loves them just as they are, which is how they like it, because they don't want to confront their sins and discipline themselves for the purposeness of godliness. What is godliness? Holiness. <laughs> Holiness. The problem is their Jesus isn't the real Jesus of the Bible. And so our antidote to drifting and our strength for endurance is the see and Savior Jesus Christ from his word. I implore you myself first, because I'm prone to drift, and I implore you, take time to consider Jesus often. Look at his word. See what he has to say. Don't believe it because I said it. Don't believe it because Father Don says it. Don't believe it because David Jeremiah says it. Believe what the scriptures have to say. I always told the people back in Bloomington, always check. Be a Berean. Check to see if what I'm saying is consistent with what God's word has to say. Amen? We need to be holy just as he is holy. And that will take care of relationships an awful lot. Because he's a God of uprightness and a God of mercy, but also a God of justice. Amen? Stand with me and let's affirm our faith in the words of the Nicene.